Jasmine and Budic Podcast starts right now. And what's going on, everybody? This is the Asmund and Budic Show podcast. I'm Jake Asmund. As always, joined alongside Dan Budic and Dan, ESPN NFL reporter Sal Palantonio is going to join us today. Just a couple of days ago, the NFL schedule was released and the NFL drafts upcoming in a few weeks. So it's the perfect time to have Sal Palantonio on the show. Yeah, we got to go over the offseason with Sal. He has some very strong opinions I've been reading about on Michael Vick and the Jets' decision to bring him in. So we'll definitely ask him about that. And of course, Sal Palantonio, most famous for interviewing Bart Scott after the Jets beat the Patriots in 2010 in that divisional playoff game. Can't wait the whole thing. We got to ask Sal about that. Oh, we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't talk to Sal about that. So we're going to get to it all with Sal Palantonio right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Budic podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Welcome back to the Asman and Budic show, and now joining us on the line is ESPN NFL reporter Sal Palantonio. Sal, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Sal, we're very good, and obviously earlier this week, a couple of days ago, the NFL draft, the NFL schedule was released. Any surprises with the schedule for you, Sal? Well, just from the standpoint of Philadelphia, where I am, we all thought that Deshaun Jackson's return to Philadelphia would be a primetime game, and it turns out that it's going to be week three, a one o'clock game on Fox. Uh, nothing special, I guess. The NFL doesn't want to play it up because the Eagles have tried their best to extinguish any kind of controversy over it. I, I don't see how in the world that's going to be possible once the game comes around. But I guess they didn't want to run it up the flagpole during prime time. So, so that was the biggest thing. A, a Monday night football, um, you know, Detroit and New York, two teams that finished out of the running last year. They are two big market teams with the Giants and the Lions. But I have a feeling, unfortunately, that because of the new CBS Thursday night primetime package and the already the existence of Football Night in America on NBC, that ESPN is going to have difficulty getting some of the marquee matchups like they have in the past, but even more so this year. So that was a little bit surprising. I'm the Monday night reporter, sideline reporter with Chris Berman and Trent Dilfer for the second Monday night game, so I'm happy that it's in Scottsdale this year. have a little early trip to Arizona in September. I'm looking forward to it. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be one of those surprise teams. Just looking at it from the standpoint of the Jets and the Giants, I think the Giants have a very difficult road this year. Uh, They have so many new players, 20 new players on their roster, Eli Manning coming off ankle surgery. But the biggest thing to me is Ben McAdoo, the offensive coordinator, will be the first time that he is going to call plays at any level and to start at the NFL level in the NFC East against some of the better play callers in the league is going to be difficult. And if you look at that Jets schedule, oh boy, the Jets have a very difficult schedule. They really do. I I had early on thought that they had a shot to win the division, but I think it's going to be difficult with their schedule. Now, Sal, you mentioned Deshaun Jackson just a little bit earlier. Did you agree with the Eagles' decision to get rid of him? I did not agree with the way it was done. Uh, I think any team at any point, they have to make a decision about a player, both financially 
and whether or not they fit into what they're doing as a football culture on a team. I think Deshaun Jackson, you know, definitely, he wore his welcome out. I mean, that's pretty obvious. And it was very expensive. But there's two main components when you get rid of a player. And they are this. One, what are you getting for him? The Eagles got nothing for him. And two, how are you replacing him? Now, you look at the Eagles. They lost Jason Avant, let him go. He's playing in Carolina. And they lose to Sean Jackson, let him go, get nothing for him. And they spent all this money on Riley Cooper, you know, who couldn't get open in the uh, wild card game against the Saints. I don't know what Chip Kelly was watching. And they only have six draft picks. When you only have six draft picks, they have averaged 10 picks per year in the Howie Roseman era as him being GM. When you only got six, it's hard to maneuver around the board to get players that you want unless, unless you are going to use other players or next year's picks as chips in any kind of draft day trade, which I think they might want to do. Sal, why do you think the Eagles went in the direction of releasing Deshaun Jackson as opposed to dealing him somewhere, maybe getting a couple draft picks or even a, a player? They tried. Uh, they tried to trade him, and nobody wanted to expend any kind of major draft picks on him. And they, once you decide that you're going to trade somebody and you announce to the world <clears throat> that this guy is on the trading block, his value goes down precipitously. It plummets immediately. And teams around the league will say, hey, all right, why are you getting rid of a guy who's got 82 catches? Well, because he's a pain in the rear end. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, why are you foisting him on us? Uh, and what do we have to give up to get him? The other thing is the reason why they couldn't trade him is what? Very simple. He's making $10.7 million this year. Now, Sal, you mentioned the New York Jets, and obviously another former Eagle that joined him was Michael Vick. Did you agree with the Jets' decision to bring Michael Vick in? Absolutely not. I think it's a waste of time. Michael Vick was 20-20 and 20 as a starter in Philadelphia, the Eagles paid him $48.6 million over a four-year period. It was money and time wasted when they should have invested money and time in developing a long-term answer once they traded Donovan McNabb. Michael Vick can't stay on the field, and once he's on the field, he turns the ball over. So he's not much of an upgrade in that regard from Geno Smith. If you draft Geno Smith in the second round, like John Itzik did, if you draft him in the second round and you take a second-round pick and devote it to a quarterback, you got to use that quarterback and develop him because you had so many other needs you could have used that second-round pick on. So I was surprised <clears throat> that they went out and got Vic. I don't think he can help Mike. He can't help Geno Smith learn how to hold on to the football. He was a turnover machine. He's not a very good reader of defenses. He doesn't know how to protect his body when he runs with the football. You answer me this question. What can Vic teach Geno Smith? Well, that's a good point. I was going to ask you that. I don't know if he could teach him anything, but from a standpoint of maybe lighting a fire under him, do you think that might be able to be able to motivate a guy like Geno Smith bringing in Michael Vick? What an indictment of Geno Smith. <laughs> and you need to bring in a 34-year-old quarterback who's basically on his last legs to motivate you, light a fire under you? You were the second-round pick. You're the future of the franchise at the quarterback position. I mean, you got to wake up and smell the coffee, man. 
So is your gut feeling, though, that Michael Vick is coming to be the starter for this Jets team? Or do you think that Geno Smith, with an open competition in training camp, will be the Jets' starting quarterback opening day? I think if Geno Smith can't beat out Michael Vick, he has no business being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, yeah, I mean that's, that's a good point. But one more, one more point on Geno Smith. Do you think maybe the Jets might have brought in a guy like Michael Vick now to motivate, to try to put some, something on, light something under the on, under the butt of Geno Smith? Is because they didn't for Mark Sanchez, and we saw the fall of Mark Sanchez when he played quarterback for the Jets. You know, I think he was brought in because Marty Morningwood knows him. I think you know that that's the bottom line. But there were a lot of other players that they could have traded for Terrell Pryor. He's younger. Uh, certainly has more to give in the long term. They could have traded him for him with the. They could have traded for Matt Schaub. Now, why wouldn't you trade a sixth round pick for Matt Schaub? Answer: Because Matt Schaub is a real threat to Geno Smith, not a paper threat. You really want to light a fire under Geno Smith? Trade for Matt Schaub. That'll light a fire under him. Sal, how concerned should the Giants be about Eli Manning and his ankle surgery? I don't know, but it's very difficult. You know, he's had problems with his feet and his ankles before. Remember, you know, he's had issues there where his plant leg has been an issue with him. He's not missed any games, but it has hurt him. Here's the problem. He's not very mobile to begin with. Their offensive line has been patchwork. He's been under duress. That's why he had 27 interceptions last year, the most in his career, the most for any starting quarterback in the last 10 years. Let me repeat that. Most interceptions for any starter in the last 10 seasons. So you know he's been under duress. He hasn't taken care of the football. Now you add an ankle injury. 20 new players, but the key thing is new offensive coordinator. That's the key. And we're talking to ESPN NFL reporter Sal Palantonio. So, Sal, what type of offense do you expect the Giants to have this season? I think what you'll see is a lot of short passes. They're going to eliminate the big pass from their game, from their um, offensive repertoire as much as possible. Sal, the Giants obviously are coming in. You mentioned Ben McAdoo, the new offensive coordinator. The Eagles traded Deshaun Jackson. They ended up winning the division last year. Dallas is always Dallas, and the Redskins had an abysmal season. How do you see the NFC East shaking out heading into the draft? Well, you, you laid it out. you got a new coach in Washington and a quarterback who's you know trying to figure out how to play after another major knee injury. So that's definitely serious upheaval, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Brian Arakpo should be all the way better, and that will help them defensively. Um, you know, Jim Hazlitt's back, so they have a semblance of stability there. I think it'll be Redskins and Eagles battling it out for the division. You know, Tony Romo's 34, second back surgery. I, I told you all of the changes with the Giants. I think the Giants actually are headed for a top five pick and a new head coach. Wow, okay. Uh, we are joined here by, obviously, Sal Palantoni of ESPN. Sal, we thank you for giving us just a few minutes of your time uh, to talk some football with us. Going into the NFL draft a little bit, less than two weeks away. Sal, if you're the Houston Texans, who are you taking with that first overall pick? Wow, that's a tough question. I don't think the Texans know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think the bottom line is they want to take a quarterback, but they don't think any of them is worth the first overall pick. I agree with him on that. 
I spent a lot of time with Bill O'Brien, the new head coach of the Houston Texans, uh, excuse me, <laughs> in South Carolina, in Columbia, on Jadavion Clowney's pro day. Romeo Cronella, defensive coordinator, was there. They were impressed with Clowney, but he's got a, he's got a lot of stuff on his resume that creates doubt. And when you have a lot of stuff on your resume that creates doubt, you're hard-pressed to really impress coaches in a way that says this guy is cemented as the number one pick. So I think the Texans are doing everything they possibly can to get out, to dump out, trade out as much as they possibly can, do whatever they can, and convince anybody that there's a player worth taking with the number one pick. I think the only guy that's, that, that anybody would move up for would be Clowney, especially the Atlanta Falcons, to jump ahead of Jacksonville, take Clowney. But uh, that leaves the Houston Texans in a spot way down in that draft, in that first round. I think the Falcons are sixth overall, where somebody else is going to get one of those quarterbacks that they like. And they could be on the outside looking in, in which case they don't get the top quarterback and they don't get the top defensive player or the top two defensive players. They're shut out of Watkins, and then they have some splaining to do, man, splaining to do. Sal, in your opinion, before we let you go, who is the best quarterback in this draft? I think it's Johnny Manziel. I would draft Johnny Manziel. I think he is worth the gamble. I would I would draft him. I would put him on the field, and I would put fannies in the seats and excite my franchise and see how far he could take us. Listen, there's there's there, the, the draft is an art. It's not a science. It's not math. It's not exact. There are a lot of teams that miss on a lot of players. So you know this guy has certain attributes that are worthwhile to your franchise. He's a natural-born leader. He knows how to compete. His ball is accurate. He has a good deep ball. He can be taught whatever he needs to be taught to make him better. I think, I think he can be taught. And if he can be coached up, then you might have something really special. I would draft Manziel. If if I were the Texans, I would draft Manziel. Sal, we're huge Jeff fans, and being huge Jeff fans, we obviously are huge fans of the can't-wait interview you did with Bart Scott following the divisional game against the New England Patriots. Well, take us through that. Was was that you think that was more exhilarating than Aaron Andrews interview with uh, Richard Sherman? <laughs> well, you know, the can't wait interview is the most viewed interview on ESPN on YouTube ever in the in the 35 year history of ESPN. It's the most viewed on YouTube. How about that? It it was it was you when you were on the field with Bart, did you sense immediately when you went up to him that this was going to be that type of interview? No, I, I have a rule of thumb, several of them post-game. One, make sure you get to the player soon after the exhilarating win or defeat so that that adrenaline is pumping. Two, always go to the linebackers. Hmm. Um, I'm, I've always gone to Jesse Armstead. I've always gone to Ray Lewis, Zach Thomas. I've always gone to guys like Bart Scott. Why? They got the most passion. When you play linebacker at the NFL level, Mike Singletary, 
you know, you look at the old clips of the NFL films, Nitschke and Butkus and Singletary. Those are the guys that bring the fire and passion and leadership to the defense. So find yourself a linebacker, a middle linebacker, and then three, absolutely don't get in the way of the interview. And if you watch that interview, I say 23 words. That's all I say. And it is the most viewed interview, again, on YouTube in ESPN history. That's unbelievable. And, and Sal, of course, one of them being or three of those words, see you in Pittsburgh, and then it all started. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? We were one half of football away from going to the Super Bowl that year. Uh, you don't have, you don't have to know, tell me. We as know, I, Sal. I mean, man, oh, man, oh, 19 man. nothing at the half? We made a lot of money on can't wait T-shirts that year if that uh, had happened. Uh, Jeff Fand, we're all still waiting, Sal. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Anytime, Sal. Anytime, guys. All right, take care. Huge thanks to ESPN NFL reporter Sal Palantonio for taking a few minutes to join us, talk a little bit about the NFL offseason, the upcoming NFL draft. I know for Jake and I, that was a lot of fun. Sal's been a guy that we've been watching for a long time. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Asman and Butik podcast. Stay tuned for a bunch of more shows upcoming in the next couple of weeks. Listening to the Asmund and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.